You absolutely should claim your own farts, and you're telling me you do not. I cough to cover them. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Like, You've been married like for Peter almost Griffin. five years. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is unbelievable. Coming to you live <laughs> from the ass end of the blue line, it is the Sons of Honarchy podcast with one of your hosts, Steve-O. That's at DrunkShySoxFan on Twitter. And Hot Take Tommy. So on this episode, apparently we're going to be talking about claiming farts. Um, but amongst other things, we're going to be talking about a bone to pick with Ken Rosenthal. Not with Ken Rosenthal. With the MLB. Yes. We got a little bit of Minoso Minute going on. And we want to talk about the Hall of Fame because nothing's fucking happening. All this is brought to you by us. Make sure you rate, subscribe, review, because it's going to help me realize that I need to stop drinking bourbon until 3.30 in the morning <laughs> with one of my friends here that is sitting next to me, Jameson hey, Coslow. you push it on me. You push it on me. That's all I'm saying. We've got a live audience with us today, which is really funny. So, filmed in front Jameson of a live Kinsey. audience in Chicago. <laughs> when you guys said Hall of Fame, I thought you were going to say Holocaust. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> oh, okay. Dump them. Uh, no, it's a bad we look. weren't gonna say that. <laughs> one of one of our one of our biggest supporters is a Jewish guy who makes jokes about Jewish people. So, <laughs> kudos. Shout out to Carrie. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, Tom, good. how you doing? Uh, uh, you know, catch me up. So, th- I mean, there's, here's one thing. We had the 108 guy, uh, specifically Beef Loaf, mm-hmm. reach out to us and ask us. What we've been doing from their recommendations from like, you know, six months ago when they're yeah. like, here's what you need to start doing with your podcast. Yeah. And one thing is the the hot take Tommy segment of catching us up on what he's not doing on Twitter or what he's not posting <laughs> what on I'm Twitter. doing with my life while I'm not posting on Twitter. Exactly. Right. So what are you doing with your life when you're not posting on Twitter? Because you've actually been posting on Twitter a little bit more. Well, the only reason I because I've told myself, man, you really haven't been posting on Twitter that much recently. You should probably do something. Right. And I was like, OK, a good way to do this is if I post every time I run because there's a White Sox run club. So Hashtag I was like, White yeah, Sox I'll run just, club, baby. I'll just do that. And then on Wednesday, I had I had run the first four days of the year. I was really impressed with myself, and I was like, you know what? You deserve a break, Tommy. So I didn't run on Wednesday. And then I tried to run on Thursday. I thought my back broke. It was like, it was unbelievable. It it was so painful. (laughs) Just one day, one break. I'm never not running again. I didn't run yesterday. So it's going to hurt a lot today when I run. No, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. I mean, that's a normal thing. When you're not a normal, like, when you take a day off and you're not regularly running, when you take that off day, just pain. your body just feels off the next time you run. It was, so don't worry. It was literally so painful. So to everybody out there in White Sox Run Club, don't not run. It's not <laughs> worth it. Tommy said no days off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, other than that, you know, what else has been happening? COVID's wilding out. You know, I've got like, what, five other people that are my peers at my law firm. Two of them have COVID Love currently. That. It's, it's ridiculous, it's great and and that's like, you know, a microcosm of the one million people that had it this for, last week. For sure, for sure. In America. We had like, I don't know, we're up to like, what, 14 positive cases at my school, 15 positive cases, and then on top of that too, like, siblings have to quarantine, yep. and then on top of that, it's another, you know, it, it, there are parents, that's, that's the big thing too, and I don't blame these parents, there are parents that are like, I'm not sending my kid to school. Right. So yeah. you, what are you going to argue with them and be like, no, this is the, the, this is the best thing for your child to get them. COVID. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> I am a Chicago teacher, but I'm not at a school that has a union. So I'm still reporting to work. Kind of. I mean, that kind of more sucks for you than anything. To be hey, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, Charter school life. Yep, exactly. Um, but 
that's not even the biggest development in my life. Yes. Was going to, well, we're in the process of closing on a house. Problem is this home inspection. It went bad. Oh, it's not great. Yeah. Um, I had our, our two friends here next to me. One of them who was a home, homeowner. Look at uh, both of them. And, and a real estate agent. So yeah. real estate agent Kinsey slash homeowner Kinsey. Would you like to uh, tell us about what we saw in that inspection? It's more like what we didn't see, which was uh, <laughs> a false foundation without cracks. Um, <laughs> not great. Uh, there was some bigger issues along with the cracks uh, that were the size of the cracks. Um, Tell us about the electrical. The electrical was knob and tube, uh, which if you're wondering, why does that matter if it's knob and tube? That means that the wires are made out of fabric and just bugs and animals can eat through them. Uh, they're not made out of copper or aluminum. And the hot and ground. Uh, and the, oh, yeah, and the, and the hot and ground of the whole house was reversed. It was backwards. What? So if you wanted to ground something, you would just plug some into a hot wire. Uh, good house. Good house, that one. Uh, what? Where was that one again? Oak Park. Oak Park, baby. <laughs> shout out to Oak Park. Shout out to Frank Lloyd Wright, okay? <laughs> We don't have to shout him out. That's he's. Why did he do fine. anything problematic? I mean, he said that Oak Park was not that great. So he lived there, and they have the Frank Lloyd Wright uh, home and studio there. Yeah, you they, absolute imbecile. No, you absolute imbecile. He didn't like it though. So absolute imbecile. We shouldn't. <laughs> Everyone unfollow Tommy on Twitter right now. <laughs> the greatest guy. The greatest guy, Kinsey. Always. Thank you so much. Thank for you, Kinsey, for the, the guest appearance. For I appreciate your your realtor. At Kinzois on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you. There it is. <laughs> I love it. Just guess how to spell that because you're going to be wrong. All right. So. <laughs> well, Tommy, let's remind everybody. What are we? Uh, four-star podcast. We're a four-star podcast. <laughs> 4.1-star podcast. So make sure you rate, subscribe, review. But we are also a what kind of podcast? So White Sox top White podcast. White Sox baseball podcast. So you know what? Let's talk about baseball. And you know what? I got a fucking couple bones to pick. I got a bone to pick. And I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start s- small here on the small scale and move it to big scale. On a small scale, I got a bone to pick with one of White Sox Twitter's most hated individuals. I think that's fair to say. Right? Uh, he's he's up there, right? Infamous. I would infamous. Yeah. You know what? Hated is a strong word. Most uh, infamous. Definitely voices. the most infamous. At Kenwo for life, Kenwo. Ken W-O. It's actually Ken W-O, not Ken Wo, apparently. Yes. But either way, I don't give a shit. Because it's like the N-W-O. Yeah, it's like, like N-W-O, but it's Ken the, W-O. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, it's funny because it's... Blow me. Anyway, <laughs> this guy right here was ragging on Yohan Moncada again. The fact that I have to see Yohan Moncada slander on my freaking timeline it's in January before my birthday even hits is unbelievable. <laughs> okay? This is 2022, people. Mm-hmm. Yohan Moncada is a good baseball player. And Better the fact that, good. Yes, he is a solid, very solid, very good baseball player. I, he may have not been elite level last year, but that's fine. Players, good players, don't need to perform at an elite level every single year. Okay? This guy wanted to compare Todd Frazier to Yohan Moncada mm-hmm. and said that 2016 Todd Frazier was better than <laughs> Yohan Moncada. Now, when we look at the fan graphs numbers, fan graphs loves Yohan Moncada because he gets on base 
He's a good base runner, and he because plays great he gets de- on base. And he plays great defense, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Todd Frazier did not do those things. All he did was hit bombs. So, yeah. B-Ref, baseball reference, likes Todd Frazier's numbers a little bit more. Even when you compare Todd Frazier's numbers to Yohan Moncada's on baseball reference, Yohan Moncada's war is still higher on baseball <laughs> reference than Todd Frazier. Okay? Because Todd Frazier got on base at like a 302 clip and hit 40 <laughs> bombs. It's almost like Adam Dunn level. Yeah. I mean, not that bad, but still. Yeah. Right? The fact that you are going to say that Todd Frazier is better than Yohan Moncada absolutely is ridiculous. And it's a such a bad shtick. Yeah. I am so I, yeah. to say that I'm tired of it is an understatement. No, a thousand percent. And and to really go at go to bat for Todd Frazier is another thing that I have a problem with. It's like yeah. you can you can hate Yohan Mankata, but the only good thing he did was shove Adam Eaton into right a locker. Oh my god. <laughs> yes, thank you. It's I mean, yeah, no, I, I didn't love that take um i don't think anybody loves that take from ken wo uh it's it's just it's tired you're right it's tired like stop talking about yohan mankata right it's we're all sick of it i'm, I'm glad that he wants to relive the glory days of 2016 when yeah that the White was Sox a- got off to a 23 and 10 start <laughs> and absolutely imploded yeah that was a fucking great year jimmy rollins am i right G- <laughs> white Sox legend jimmy <laughs> rollins baby <laughs> i have a second bone to pick okay I got a bone up here. And you know what it is, Tom? It's with Major League Baseball and particularly Rob mm-hmm. Manfred. Okay? Fucker. And the MLB Network. You know what? Here's the thing. I'm not going to be the guy that says that MLB Network is state-sanctioned media. You know, the, the, you know, the White Sox Dave types that, you know, went out there and, made, you know, made retweets, of, you know, saying that that was what was going on with Ken Rosenthal. But, you know, for those of us that don't know the background, MLB Network fired Ken Rosenthal due to comments about Rob Manfred and how the lockout is going. Right. Remember, this is not a player strike. This is a MLB lockout. We have talked about this mm-hmm. on the last couple podcasts. Right. Uh, Ken Rosenthal is just saying what everybody else yeah. in Major League Baseball circles mm-hmm. is thinking, right? Ken is for the game. Ken is for the players, right? Which makes sense because, to be honest with you, that's how he keeps his work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. With this lockout, he's not able to do anything, and right? He's a newsbreaker, so he needs those relationships with Absolutely. players and, and agents and all of that to make this make his living. So he's only going to win points in the favor of the players for doing this. So, honestly, the commissioner's not only a egotistical maniac, he's also an idiot for making this because this is only strengthening Ken Rosenthal after this. Absolutely. So it's just an awful look. It is an absolutely awful look for Major League Baseball, for Rob Manfred, for the MLB Network. And Ken Rosenthal is going to keep his work. Yeah. He's still with Fox Sports. He's still with The Athletic. Mm-hmm. He's, he's keeping his work. He's going to be fine. It's just an awful look for baseball in general. It just speaks to the fact that they think the commissioner's office specifically, he just thinks he's invincible. Like he, he owns, you know, the MLB, like in a way he works for the owners still, but he, he runs it and he thinks he can do whatever he wants. Absolutely. This is the only opportunity we're going to have to prove to him that he's not correct in, in, in thinking he can do whatever he wants. 
go go support Ken Rosenthal after this and stop watching MLB Network and fucking put yeah. this on the owners like we should be doing. For all of you that have cable, for all of you that have, I don't know, YouTube TV or whatever, and somehow MLB Network is a part of your, I don't know, is MLB, you have YouTube TV, is MLB Network part MLB of the MLB Network is part of the package. I did watch quite a bit of it, and I don't think I will. Hashtag boycott year. MLB Network. Hell yeah. Um, this is a perfect point, though, uh, and I think this is a perfect transition, too, to uh, your Minoso Minute today, Tom. Um, yes. So shall we transition there? Yeah, 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 I like it. So, you know, on this podcast, we like to do Minoso Minutes. Minoso being, you know, a White Sox legend who affected the game outside of now the lines Hall of, of Famer, baseball. Baby. Now Hall of Famer, let's fucking go. Um, so we like to take this time to talk about some stuff outside the lines of baseball. So, as of right now, there are still no substantial talks scheduled, not even scheduled, between the MLB and its players' union. So, at this point, you know, players... Pitchers and catchers are supposed to report in mid-February. Mm -hmm. That date is looking less and less likely. So this makes it a real possibility that not only are we going to be missing pitchers and catchers reporting because, you know, ho-hum, whatever, that, that happens. But this is likely to it, – it's becoming more and more likely that this is going to affect the regular season opening day if we lose opening day on the 31st of March. This would be the second – year out of the last three years that we've had less than 162 games of baseball so that's probably the most iconic thing about baseball is the consistency of it the you know every single day between mid spring and halloween you have baseball at night and that's about to go away potentially and again this is up to the commish you know mm -hmm. Why Why do we let this – why do we continue to let the MLB do all this shit? Owners be owners, and they got billions of dollars. It's ridiculous. I, I'm, I'm fucking sick of it. That's all I got to say on it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's extremely frustrating. Now, here's the thing. What did I say before? I said that there would be zero talks until when. Do you remember this? You said mid-January. Right. I said Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Yeah. Right? So I am not freaking out yet. I'm not at the point of freaking out yet. Mm. If there is not a report the Friday, some sort of report that says, hey, people are talks coming are together scheduled. and at least talks are scheduled by the Friday after Martin Luther King Jr. Day, I start to freak out a little bit. And we, I think my prediction was that pitchers and catchers were going to probably report with or report late later, right? They were going to probably report with position players, yeah. right, this year? Like that's, that's they're going to have to do their own workouts. And that's supposed to be the end of February. Right. So you know. end of February, beginning of March, I, that would be my prediction still. I love that you bring up the 162, like not happening, possibly two out of the three years. And yeah. especially since we have a couple people here that are very casual baseball fans, I would say. Right. We got we got head nods from one and uh, yes, from the other for sure. So you want, I'm actually going to pass this hot mic here over to my buddy Jameson here. Major League Baseball having 162 games. Yes. What about Do you like it? Does Do you it think matter? that's too many? Does it matter that they have 162? Should they have a shortened season? Is this possibly a transition period for Major League Baseball in general? What do you think? Personally, I think it's too many games. I think that in the spring, it's really nice to have so many games so often in the summer, um, like between 
Memorial Day and Labor Day, that's awesome because there's not a ton of other sports going on. Yeah. But you talk about like the spring and the fall, then you're just getting like crowded with uh, hockey and basketball in the spring, and then you get crowded with uh, a little bit of basketball, a lot of football. You have three days of football to four days of football to watch in the fall on top of however much like baseball. It's just a little crowded. So I'm here for a shortened season. I think 162 games is way too long. Um, personally, uh, I also don't think that this lockout is going to like substantiate into anything significant because the owners can't afford it. You can't afford to go three years in a row with significant lost revenue at the stadiums. Uh, you had a short, you had an incredibly shortened season in 2020. You had a, uh, a full season in 2021, but how many people were allowed in the stadiums, like compared to like what the norm is for, Sig- half, the year, yeah. for half the year. So you can't afford to lose that much revenue three years in a row. Like you can say that these are billionaires and so like money doesn't matter, but it does when you start talking about like multiple years of lost revenue. So I agree with Steve. After Martin Luther King Day, we're going to have significant talks that come out um, that are scheduled. And yes, the catchers and pitchers, the catchers and pitchers won't show up early. They'll just show up when everybody else does. And you'll still have a March 31st opening day. Um, that's that's my take. Well, okay. I appreciate your, you know, mild-mannered take on, like, what the MLB owners are willing to do. Because you're right. Like, they'd be missing out on a lot of revenue multiple years in a row, basically. Right. That's, that's reasonable. I appreciate your measured response there. But you got to think, like, most of the money in the MLB is from media deals. And those are locked in. That's contracts. So they're not necessarily... They're contracts if the game is on. So they only make the money. Sure, you can say there's a contract and they get the cash at the end of the year. They only get the cash if the game is on. They don't get the cash just for signing a piece of paper. Low they're key. all They're all negotiating. They're all... What do you... I would... Low-key, I would have to look at the contracts that are signed by the teams. Because I think like they do get portions, if not all of that money, regardless of regardless of no. if the team if the game is on now and i hear well then over if that, if from the, the peanut gallery that ad revenue is a big deal too sure but if that so, but if that was the case then the mlb wouldn't have lost any money in 2020 the the mlb would have only lost what whatever revenue they don't generate in the stadium so like their income wouldn't be would it would be like way higher than we all think it is but it wasn't it was incredibly low because the games weren't on okay so then i then i hear you and i I raise you then why do you think it matters so much to them to not give these players what they're asking for and just keep oh because they're greedy assholes so what what is going to change over the course of the next month that's going to get them to get into gear and sign a deal with the sign a new collective bargaining agreement uh, in your opinion because they want the games to be on to make the ad revenue but so they instead of getting instead of like renegotiating the deal and not giving the players what the players are, they'll give the players half of what they're asking for and the owners will get half of what they want. Everybody meets in the middle and that's what it's going to be. Everybody's going to like it's just a big dick contest to see who breaks first and everybody knows <laughs> that you're just going to sit here and meet in the middle. Like why are we what what are we doing? It's hilarious. Like, let's just well, I mean, say what we're all thinking. The funniest thing about this too and we talked about this last night too when we were sitting around and drinking bourbon. Uh shout out to the hangover that I'm still nursing. Um, I'm already over it. Now, we talked about how there's, like, rich, there's wealthy, and then there's... Stupid money. Stupid money, where, like, you 
care so much about making money yeah. that like it's it's your top priority. Like when you're not making money, it's a problem. Right. Right. And that's where these owners are at. Yeah. Right. So they have to make some sort of money. Like they 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 want to keep making money, right? There's too much money. Yeah, to this be is made this is a business issue. In they don't they don't baseball. own these teams because they care about. Some of them probably enjoy baseball. They own these right. teams as a business, not exactly. as like a hobby, not as a personal interest. They're like this is a this is a business to me. This is a money making operation. Okay, so that I appreciate. I still am definitely scared that this this season is going to start late. Which gets to the other thing that you were saying is that you're okay with not seeing 162 games of baseball. Yeah. I am not okay with not seeing <laughs> like okay. Would you would you would you want like 200 games like I mean I would. Yeah. Like that's I I'm I might be crazy. Obviously, you know, we're part of the cronies. We're part of the MLB cronies that are going to if, want to see it. It was up to Tommy. Here's the thing. I'm actually more so in your boat, James. I love baseball. I absolutely love baseball. I think 162 games is way too much and I think that's actually one way that you can figure out the the work issue here. That's one way that you can figure out the debate between the union trying to fight for players and, and players' rights and players earning their share versus owners and, and what they want and what they think they deserve. Um, 162 games is a lot, and it bleeds into other sports way too much. So what you do is you shorten it up. I don't even think you start later. I think the start time is great. Um, I think you actually just shorten it up, and, and playoffs are done by the end of September. Oh, Not the I, beginning of November. I would do it. I I disagree. I think there's I think there's few things better than fall baseball. I would I would probably start in like my own perfect world. You start like May, Juneish, and then you just keep going into like November like you normally do. Because truly, all of us, okay, maybe not all of us, but all of us have great all of us have great memories of being at ballpark in the fall when it's like cold, the weather's shitty, mm-hmm. watching. A baseball game and it's like one of your favorite baseball games you've ever been to in your entire yep. life when all the weather's shitty and you only get that it's on in, brand for chicago baseball <laughs> yeah shout out to chicago baseball shout out to detroit baseball um and we we love that like you don't get that like you don't get that in the spring it's just a little bit different but you you definitely get shitty weather in the spring but <laughs> but it's not like it's not like the same <laughs> to the bone kind of cold it's like the exciting ah uh, baseball's back yeah kind of yeah, cold yeah, yeah, yeah. that warms you up yeah. Not I'm miserable watching a no, losing team in November. I definitely feel that, yeah. Um, now, I I would argue, though – okay, no, I'm not even going to argue it. So you guys are talking about actually, like, taking trimming the ends off the start of the, the – trimming the length yes. of the season off the end of the uh, – either end. Now, what if you had the same length of time but less – games in oh you the do like formula one you could do that too so that i would i could see the players union wanting that more so than trimming either side because oh yeah i agree with that because the then that. you'd have the rest days incorporated yeah that's something that's going to be good for the catch the pitcher specifically but in general all the bingo. position players that are playing every day bingo that's going to be one thing that we've seen over the last 5 years in baseball particularly the last 5 years is a major uptick in injuries yes we have so many injuries especially when it comes to pitching staffs mm-hmm. all across the league right yeah, your, your body's not meant to pitch 100 miles an hour for 8 months out of the year your body is not designed to do that i, I i'm not a doctor with biomechanics uh, biomechan- what you got to say here dr kins Arguable. Uh, <laughs> we don't know the limit of the human body, truly. Uh, 
As I've learned, you can do anything you set your mind to. So I also just want to put in my idea here. What if we just only did 10 games a season? Hear me out. Oh, that's a very Best out of 10. Best, Best out, out, of out of 10. And that's who's going. The 11th game is the World Series. Thunderdome style yeah. baseball. <laughs> so I got I, I got to say this though. I mean, that is that is one of my biggest concerns with baseball though is that we have so many injuries and and yeah. how do we solve the injury problem? How do we give players rest? You limit the amount of games. I, I 162 well, I, is yeah, just absolutely you. absurd. If you, should, if you have rest days, no. I think you could see more interesting baseball. You'd see people throw faster you'd see people hit farther because they're getting the rest days they're not like they're not media or they're not monitoring themselves to measure themselves for 162 games they're like oh well i only have to do this for uh 80 games or whatever whatever we decide like the number would be and they can do way more they can expend themselves way more and have rest days and on top of that this for all the you know, we got ragged on this for calling people boomers. Yes. But for all the boomers out there that are like, oh, so-and-so didn't hustle down the line. Yeah. So-and-so didn't slide hard enough into the base. So-and-so right. didn't go after that fly ball hard yeah. enough. You know why? Because they're playing 160 games a year. Yeah. And that's yeah. before the playoffs, right? Yeah. So, you know, how, how do you get more effort out of your players? Cut down the amount of games. I'd be really interested to see the stats on what the average length of a player's career in the MLB was. From like the '40s to the like '80s versus the '80s to now, like what is the average? Like how long is a player in the MLB for? Like, because all these boomers are like, oh, you could—they weren't hustling, they weren't working. Were they in the MLB for a year or two, or were they in the MLB for 20 years? Like, yeah. what what are we doing? It's decreased. It's decreased it because of how much like players are giving that much effort players are built to be more short-term athletes it's also statistically days. speaking your peak is when you're younger and the numbers exactly. bear that out and veterans are not yep. as valuable as they used to be right then again too you know hank aaron had a career year at fucking age 35 yeah. so like i mean that's baseball is just so much different these days and athletes are built so much different than they were in the 60s and the 70s yeah so great conversation but now I oh, think what wanna... I what I really want to hear about this though, like this what you're saying from the casual fans' perspective, they don't care that the games are going to be fewer, right? They just care that it's going to be you know baseball, the fall classic. They're gonna they're gonna get their baseball in the summer, and they're gonna get a World Series eventually. Yep. Right. That that's the only things that matter. That plays into the hands of the players more so than the MLB. The MLB is counting in my what I can see is that the MLB is counting that the players will come to the bargaining table because baseball must happen inevitably. That's just the product is so good that well, from the casual fan's perspective, that's not even true. They just want to see the players play. Yeah. Correct. So what the fuck is MLB doing? All of this plays into the hands of the players, and I'm sick and tired of the commissioner being a douchebag and waiting out. It's not doing him any favors. He's looking like a goddamn oaf after firing Ken Rosenthal yeah. in a time where he should be concerned about his public image. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't give a shit about us. Doesn't get a shit, the, shit the about MLB the needs game. to take a page out of the NBA's playbook and make this like a— a team like an organization versus the fan situation not the owners versus the players mm -hmm. like the nba has like developed themselves to be us as the nba the players and the owners as mm -hmm. one versus like the fans and like that's the dynamic they have not yeah. versus i don't want to say it's like 
opposing but it's that's the position separate entities yeah separate entities versus instead of the mlb trying to be the owners versus the players and that's ridiculous i also just feel like in baseball in general it's like who do fans like who when you're like oh my gosh you like baseball so you love the mlb you're like no, no. <laughs> i i can only and that's that's the most hardcore fans or the most casual fans you're like no i like watching the players play the game and they're like you don't like the organization no. of the MLB like no no, no. one is going to ever I choose like my, I like the my organization team. I can tell you the owner of the Tigers that that's it I cannot tell you the owner of anybody of any other team because yeah. I don't care yeah like as a casual fan I don't care about the owners Jerry 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 <laughs> big Jerry podcast over here okay well I think it's uh, that was that was fun I think it's time for a drink break absolutely and drink break this morning is definitely coffee yes thousand percent <laughs> Oh my life. Yeah, we got one right here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's do it, baby. Uh, so, really oh, quick. Are we hot? Yeah, we're hot. Oh, we are hot. No, I wanted <laughs> to really quick talk about your board that you you brought out a prop for, for this segment. I, um, I did. This is why we so. should be live, but it's okay. <laughs> um, I have the Break Tommy's Bank board here. Uh, it's a nice old poster board that was used as a... Like what is a, that? Go Eagles, go! Yeah, oh my God, that's free from cross country. Christian life. Yep. <laughs> no, it's no, no, that's our mascot. No, oh, that's, okay, uh, okay, okay, okay. That, that's not my high school. That's my that's the school I teach at. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, no, the actual side of it has a uh, Brick Tommy's Bank Board, which is um, it's our for our 108 running. It's for our yes. hashtag White Sox Run Club. We are. Do you want to explain? Yeah, it's yeah, hard yeah. for me to, to put to, words to together shout, to, <laughs> to shout out what we what we've been trying to do this this year coming up to opening day of baseball, which may in fact be later than we thought. Um, we are trying to run 108 miles. Shout out to the 108 uh, and White Sox Run Club. And if every mile we go over 108 miles, we are going to donate a buck to charity. So, yep. That means so said, if like for example, if you run 120 miles, I will donate $12 to a charity of your choice. Yeah, exactly. And when I run 200 miles, you will donate 208 <laughs> miles, just so that we're, you know, more rounded. So I you can will donate, donate $100. $100. Yes, exactly. Yes, that's pretty, that's probably what's going to happen. Now, are you, I, that I being actually, said. I have not, were you going to ask what my charity of choice is yet? No, I was going to say, oh, are you okay. on track to do this? Well, I mean, right now I've got, what is the actual number here? I think I've got, what is that, 17.6 miles right now? Yes. Yeah, so over six days. So <laughs> we're uh, we're doing, well, I guess, well, today's the, the eighth. So technically it's eight days. Yeah. Uh, but six days of running. So, hey, I'm uh, I'm feeling good. I And I'm feeling rested after yesterday, taking the day off. Ran less than that. But I'm on track. Yes, you're on track. For I'm on track. I'll plus. get there. So um, hopefully. Uh, as long as my back stays, you know, in a back shape. All, yes, all, I do all, need to do core exercises. There we go. That's we, true. Got, we got trainer James over here. Yeah. Um, no, we, am uh, I going to do core exercises, everybody? No, I am not. So <laughs> all, I, all I can think about <laughs> right now, keep actually, it is your core. Myself. That's the kicker. It is your core. You're right, James. Good call. Yeah, Look at you. Trainer James out here spitting facts. Why are you shitting on Look at this. The yes. peanut gallery is yes. just... Is, they is are the, on fire this afternoon. Um, but you, morning. You, you complaining <laughs> about your back makes me think about Friday. When uh, Ezel slips in the in the shop, <laughs> my back, oh my, my neck. neck and my back. 
I want a hundred and fifty thousand. We can settle right now for twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is fantastic. Okay, well, that's the update on our White Sox Club. Club. Exactly. Um, feels good. Feels good. Well, hey, one one thing, and you know, I'm part of a, a White Sox Twitter chat group. I'm part of a couple, but one of them. Uh, Sean Anderson is now a part of it. Shout Ooh. out to Lockdown Sox. Uh, but Sean Anderson, uh, who obviously, for those of you that don't know, runs Lockdown Sox now. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, had an interesting podcast about Mark Burley mm-hmm. um, and his, you know, kind of road to being on the Hall of Fame ballot and how he needs to get 5% to stay on the Hall of Fame ballot. And, you know, he, he's really close right now. Yeah. Um. So... That being said, I did want to talk about Mark Burley being in the Hall of Fame because one thing that I like to do with you on this podcast, Tommy, is debate with you. Yeah. And we feel very differently about Mark Burley. And, we do. And the Hall of Fame. We do. And would you, would you like to express how, how you feel about Mark Burley being in the Hall of Fame first? Well, I think he's the kind of guy that should be on the ballot for 10 years and get in on the 10th mm. year I, I okay. like he seems like a guy that's just that should just stick around because he's worth keeping on the ballot and then at some point it's going to be like you know what you know this guy does belong it's going to be a year mm-hmm. that has not mm-hmm. as many great candidates and it's just going to be like you know what Burley he's the guy he's the guy that gets in this year so that's who I think Mark Burley is I think he's one of the most unique candidates because of what he did in the modern age of baseball. And I think that, you know, with his, with what he did in his career, he deserves it. Okay. Not going to run through anything else. That's, that's what you got to say. I will wait to, okay. So here we go. I will wait to respond. What's good, everybody. (laughs) It's your man, Steve-O. Here's today's final, my final five on why Mark Burley should not be in the hall of fame. Point number one. I got to ask you this. I actually I'm I'm going to start with this and I'm going to ask you a question and then I I'll, I'll I'll list off the rest. Is Tim Hudson a Hall of Famer? Should he be a Hall of Famer? Who? So Tim <laughs> Hudson, right? You're going to say no, right? No. Tim Hudson technically has better numbers than Mark Burley, right? He's on the ballot too. Right? Isn't he the closer candidate? No, Tim Hudson was a starter, my guy. He was with the A's, he was with the Braves, and then he closed his uh, career out with uh, your second favorite baseball team. Actually, what I argue is your first ba- favorite <laughs> baseball team sometimes. You're such an asshole for this. San Francisco Giants. <laughs> um, so that, that's my point number one. If you are going to argue that Mark Burley is a Hall of Famer, then, I mean, Tim Hudson had a better career than Mark Burley, if you look at the numbers. Barely. But anyway, him... Uh, I'll stop there. Uh, point number two. I don't care that he went almost that he went fourteen, almost fifteen seasons in a row of throwing two hundred innings. Just because don't he care. pitched, just because he pitched a lot, doesn't mean he's a Hall of Famer. I okay. that's okay. Before we go any further, that's actually something that I want to go back and forth with you about because okay. I strongly disagree. Because I think one of the most important things about Mark Burley was that he was very unique because of the the way that he did that Uniqueness he was in doesn't mean he, elite. yes we're okay course, no 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 stop stop, absolutely. stop stop elite no the guy who fucking invented the curveball is in the hall of fame like 
there there is an argument to be made for somebody who did something in an era of baseball yeah. that changed the game or stood out. As I said before, it's 2022. Yes. We're not electing people like that into the base, baseball hall of fame. Why not? Because he, he was literally the quintessential person doing the opposite of what was working for everyone else. He Which, was he was ooh, pretty much a dick baller. I think like this he didn't leads have velocity to my next point really well is that I don't care that he wasn't I, I know he wasn't a strikeout pitcher. That's fine. He was a dick baller, as we say on this podcast. Yeah. But he gave up a lot of hits. He led, he led the, the league. He in led hits the AL four times yes. in hits given up. He did. Right? And I know a lot of that has to deal with his innings. Yeah. But, and I know you're going to make fun of me for the way I say innings, but it's, it's just wrong. He also, it's just not how you say it. He was, a, he was a fairly low walk guy, but he averaged career, two walks. His career whip was still 1.3. He led the league in whip in one of the, one of the years. So. One of his years. I can't remember which year right now. It was earlier on in his career. But I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. But okay. He near he had a whip of nearly one point three throughout his career. It's not elite level. And yeah, and he was and over that time he was averaging two walks. So those were all hits, basically. Yeah. And it's and it's not as well too. It's not like he gave up he was giving up singles in regard to this whip, right? He has a career home run per nine of one. That's a that's quite a lot. For a hall, for somebody that is for a hall of famer, yes, a hall, a hall of famer, right? Yeah, no, okay. So uh, he gives up a home run every nine innings. Look, this is this is playing even more so into what I think of the legend of Burley is right. Is mm-hmm. he's just a guy that did it differently and was incredibly successful in doing so. He was the most. He's probably the most unique case on the ballot, and that's why I think he's so special. Is he was a guy who went from 2001 to 2015, starting 30 times every year. He led the league, like you said earlier, 2001 to 2014, with 200 plus innings every single year, and. People that do that, they're in the Hall of Fame, right? Okay, and not only that, people that did that are all from the fucking 70s and 80s. Like, this is not a normal thing to have happened in the modern day, a modern game of baseball. Yes, he retired in 2015, right? But this is somebody who is in the modern era of baseball doing something that nobody else would do. He got five all-star nods, won a World Series. And this this is the thing, though. You're never going to see a player have 33 complete games ever again. For sure. I mean, here's the thing. He is an absolute anomaly. This is my next point, too. He's an absolute anomaly, and I'll give him credit for that, and he deserves credit. I love what 56 did for the White Sox. And that number, retired, 100%. 110%. He absolutely should have... His number retired? He absolutely should. He absolutely should have a... Which he already does. He absolutely should have a bronze statue Mm. on the concourse, right? I think you can retire a number and get a statue and not be in the Hall of Fame. Okay, so I don't know if you heard that off mic, but we have an argument that you can't have a statue and a number retired and not be in the Hall of Fame. I disagree because you can mean a ton to your organization and not be for sure. He's Hall of Very Good in my opinion. Uh, August Fagerstrom of Fangraphs said this about him, quote unquote. The way Burley succeeded was unique, of course. He got ground balls, but wasn't the best at getting ground balls. He limited walks, but he wasn't the best at limiting walks. He generated soft contact, but he wasn't the best at generating soft contact. Burley simply avoided damage with his sub-90 mile-an-hour fastball by throwing strikes while simultaneously avoiding the middle of the plate. Yeah, yeah. and I Okay, but doing that, 
so I hear you how he's how you're saying Hall very good because of those things. I think that doing that over the course of a 15 year career, dura, durably, right. you know, not so, not coming in and out of the the picture, but constantly. This is second to last year in the league. He got an All Star game, an All Star nod, right? Like he was good, durable, fantastic throughout his whole career. Correct. Like he was the same guy. 15 the year whole career, time. absolutely solid. Was basically the same guy all around, right? Nothing elite, right? One year, his best year, he finished fifth in Cy Young voting. Yes. It's the only time he received Cy Young votes, right? His career war on average is 14 points lower. Uh, F war, right? We're using a Fangraphs war here because you know, it's the best one to use. <laughs> um, Fangraphs war, he is av- on average compared to Hall of Fame starting pitchers. He is 14 points lower at 59.1. And mind you, Burley was actually a solid defender, too. Yeah. So that plays into what favor that, for six, him. Six Fangraphs gold gloves? loves defense. Fangraphs loves defense. So he had solid years, nothing elite, only once in the Cy Young voting. I mean, that's like – it's kind of – the whole point of the Hall of Fame is to take the the magnanim, the magnanimity – the the. The fullness of his career. Anthony McManus. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the, the idea is to take the fullness of the career and, okay. and measure that. Because each season, you're supposed to come at the end of the season, and you're not looking at the wholeness of the guy's career. You're looking at just what he did in that season. So I think this is the perfect opportunity to yeah. take a person like Burley, who didn't necessarily jump off the charts any given year, you... but was the same guy and elite durability was is one category that I think you can't argue. He did have elite durability. He led the league in multiple years across the board in innings, batters faced, games started. He was elite in that category, and I think that stands out in a particular way because yeah. of the modern day of baseball. I think this comes back also to the Tim Hudson point. Is Tim Hudson a Hall of Famer? And you said who? Yeah. Exactly. I don't think Mark Burley is a Hall of Famer for that reason. But people Tim don't Hudson say who. Is basically it, Tim Hudson is basically the same pitcher. He he's, is the same not. pitcher over the same he amount of time not. with a better whip. He is not. With more wins, with a better strikeout ratio, with a better home run ratio, giving up home runs. I, it, it, he's Steve, he's not the better. same pitcher. He's not but, the same But pitcher. he was better is my point, right? So if you let Mark Burley been, in, you let Tim Hudson in, and even worse, you let Andy Pettit in. No. No, okay. Look, look, and look. Andy Pettit. Okay, Here, here's here's the thing with Andy Pettit, right? Same numbers as Burley, basically the same exact pitcher, right? I just and on top such of that, bold Andy Pettit never. Here, here's the thing with Mark Burley is he was never an ace on a good team. He was never an ace on a good team. That he is never got the ball argument. first. Yeah. Jose Contreras, yeah, got the ball first in, in 05. Yeah. John Danks got the ball first in 08, mm-hmm. right in in the playing game. Even Esteban Loaiza was better at his peak well, he, he, than Mark Burley, right? Esteban also because moved you know, a lot of you know, Esteban yeah. knew how to sling it. Yeah, he did. He knew how to sling it, baby. He really did um, in, in every facet of oh, that term. In 2006, right, a year where the White Sox should have made the playoffs, right, but they were in the best division, the best in, baseball, division in baseball, right? He wasn't, he wasn't even the second best pitcher. He had a 5 ERA that year, 4.99, okay? The Blue Jays, at the end of his career, bypassed Burley. For a postseason spot in the starting rotation, because they had David David Price, Marcus Stroman, Marco Estrada, and R. A. Dickey. Look, they took all that, those guys. There was there was over plenty Burley. of flack going that direction for that decision. I remember that decision oh, yeah, for sure, very vividly. And there was 
there was an argument to be made that he should have gotten the that start. But they took those four guys over. Yeah. And okay, look, I I hear you on all of that. I hear you that he was never the ace of the staff, and that actually is probably the most valid point against him. But again, it's the unique I I argue, and this is why he would get my vote if I got a vote, which I don't. You know, hey, I am a, a baseball media person. I probably should get a vote at some point. Soon. Absolutely, baseball um, writers of America. Yeah, Tom hell Bakken. yeah. Thank you, thank you. Oh, recognize no me. Names. Recognize me. Um, <laughs> no, uh, but unlike your, ass, I'm saying throwing my government name out on Twitter. Sorry, I had to throw that out there. My bad. <laughs> um, my vote would go to him not because he was the elite pitcher of his time. Uh-huh. It would go to him because he was the most unique pitcher of his time and had elite stats in a very rare category to be consistently more durable than anybody else in the league. He had very good that, stats, not elite. The elite durability is elite is durability. that is a, that sure. is a measurable metric. It is measurable. You See the batters faced. You see the innings pitched. You see the game started. I think my point is over a fifteen year just career, because that is played important. a lot doesn't mean that they're Hall of Fame, right? It when it's when it's consistent, first of all, and when it's over the course of a fifteen year career, like that is not a small sample size. Longevity. That is longevity. Longevity and consistency should absolutely be rewarded. Like, Thank you. I one hundred percent agree with Tommy over here. Like you're right. May not, not might not be a goat, might not be the best pitcher of all time. But if you can be a good pitcher for 15 years, is incredibly hard to do. No fall off. Not not a, not a even great pitchers don't have careers like that. Like you yeah. think about like Justin Verlander, who has an incredibly long career at this point. He has not been elite all 15 years. He dropped off. He, he had to have surgery. He whatever. That's that's a crazy argument, but I love if it. If Justin Verlander isn't in the hall, I shit my pants. Oh yeah, no, well, he's, he absolutely will be. He absolutely will be in the hall of fame. But like he's had down. Justin JV has had down years. He hasn't been consistent. He hasn't had 15 years of consistency. He's had up and down years where he's incredible, and then he's had down years where he's struggling a little bit. Then he has up years again. Like he he doesn't have that consistency. Now, um, I've got two more things I want to get off my chest on on I, what I think makes him a Hall About of Famer. About Marlboro, okay. And um, really quickly, I want to back check, back check myself. I think I said earlier he had six gold gloves. He only had four. Five. Oh, I my was going to say five. Okay. So um, he, had, he had four. Okay. I'm Great. pretty sure. I wrote that down. I'll double check that. We'll, <laughs> maybe we should back check, back check, my back check, back check. So um, <laughs> anyway, um, he had his no hitter and a, and a perfect game. That's something that some Hall of Famers don't have. Like, I know that's like a microcosm and, and it doesn't it, – it's two games, right? And, yes, we have a con- confirmed four gold gloves. It's only two games of his career that were that elite, right? Okay, I, I'll grant you that, but there are Hall of Famers that don't have both of those things. Yeah. No hitter and a, and a perfect game. Okay, so the other thing I want to say is that he's the only pitcher in modern baseball to have pitched a game in under two hours. A complete game. <laughs> That's incredible. And That's an incredible it, statistic. It is fucking amazing that he did that in in this day and age of, of baseball. It was, and that was when it is possible. And the reason why I know it's possible is because. Uh, can you tell me who the pitcher? Uh, oh, can you tell me what team he was playing for? And he was who Toronto. He was playing against. He was playing. He, he was playing, <laughs> he was playing for Toronto against the White Sox. The White Sox and Don Cooper's pitching staff. So there was two yes. complete games. Chris and, Sale versus Mark Burley. Yes. under two hours. And it, it was absolutely unbelievable. I, I mean that 
game should be documented somewhere in Cooperstown. And this is this is what I'll raise you is okay. So I admit, I admit that. I mean, again, look, he he did have good stats throughout his year. He had elite durability, which I will argue with you to my grave. Well, I'm not arguing that he had elite durability. I just don't think elite durability is something that should be enshrined in Cooperstown. As a pitcher, as a pitcher, the 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 position on the field that has the most issues with durability, I sincerely disagree with you. And the other thing is like, look, he's still averaged over the course of his career two walks per nine. That that's that's good. That's very good. It is. And he also gave up a lot of hits. He had elite moments, right, with his no-hitter and his perfect game and, you know, his under-the-legs toss to Kernerko for, like, whatever that was mm-hmm. in the, like, opening weekend of baseball. It was opening day at the G-rate. G yeah, so it was, like, this is a very good <laughs> You know what I was going to say. You know what I was going to say. We got laughs from the beginning. We, uh, <laughs> we caught himself there. But, Okay. Last thing I'll, I need to be is chastised by Tommy's wife again for saying something. Yes. <laughs> now, okay. All of that being said, I'll admit that maybe, maybe to a lot of people, he's not a Hall of Famer, and I get it. But yeah. he should definitely have portions of his career in Cooperstown. I think his his no his perfect yeah, game absolutely. glove I think is in the Hall of Fame or something like that, and his no hitter ball probably is in there. What I think we should do is find some kind of plaque from his under a two-hour game, find a way to enshrine that in Cooperstown because it's not going to happen again in this in the modern day. Now, Foolish Baseball does have <laughs> a documented YouTube video on that game. You should watch it, the sweet, sweet sub-two-hour game. Um, and Mark Burley's career is documented really, really accurately through that video as well. It's totally worth a watch. It's really fun. And if you're a Sox fan and you loved Mark Burley as much as I did, you'll enjoy the video. So that's... That's kind of my argument for Mark Burley. The uniqueness of his career. In, in modern baseball, it's the fastest. The, the Burley sale game is uh, definitely the quickest game. Yes. Right? So, I mean, it should be documented. I mean, he, it's not wrong. So, from the peanut gallery, we have no other pitcher deserves to be in the Hall of Fame than Randy Johnson. He's the only one. He's the only guy who's the, killed the man, a bird. The man is was that? like the, the, the inventor of the – Fast, fast throwing lefty. Yes, um, and he killed a bird. He so. killed a bird. He did, um, and I think that <laughs> killing a bird on live television is is no longer allowed. Legend, you know. And we were talking about state sponsored media earlier today, you know, this is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. So that bird definitely did not deserve to die on on television, live television. <laughs> so welcome to the quan the quans of quanarchy. QAnon. No, 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 no. Okay, so, so anyway, I think I'll give you your final remarks on it because I got my final remarks off my chest. I think that there should be. I've said enough. I've I've said all my points. I once again, Hall of very good. I have no problem with you know highlighting Burley and Sales under two hour game in the hall. I have no problem with highlighting him and pitchers that have thrown both a perfect game and a no hitter. I have no problem with any of that. The issue I have is you let Mark Burley in the hall, you let Tim Hudson in the hall. I disagree. You let I Andy Pettit in the hall, who's going to be a Hall of Famer anyway because he was a Yankee and actually had great postseason numbers. Yes. Yes. Um, but, but no, Mark I, not I a hall disagree famer. because of. The, it's not necessarily his ERA. It's not necessarily his WHIP. It's not necessarily so all of the his strikeout stats. No, he's not elite. It, it, 
That's okay. my issue. Yeah, okay, it's yourself, it's different. Though. It's it's just it's a different case. It's a different case for the man. He's got a very unique career, and I think if we don't enshrine the actual man, we have to enshrine portions of his career for being hey, and that's different what I, and, and that's, special. And that's what I said, you know. And, and here's the thing: the fact that we're even having this discussion means that he. he you can at least make somewhat of an argument, right? Absolutely. You're not crazy for saying that he should be in the hall. You're not crazy for You're it. not super crazy, but <laughs> you, you're, you're borderline. Unbelievable. You okay. Should, you should get you should get that checked out. Is now what I'm we are we are, you're <laughs> ridiculous. We are at over 50 minutes. I want to hear any final thoughts from your side. My final thought is that number one, Mark Burley is an hall of famer. I'm kidding. Oh my god. Uh, well, he isn't. Um, oh my god. But here's the deal. Um, I. I think everything is is summed up well in this episode by saying this. We need baseball back. We do. The fact that we're discussing Mark Burley trying to be on the Hall of Fame ballot for 10 years definitely means that we need baseball back. We're talking about Ken Rosenthal getting fired. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Highlights of baseball news. Because all I'm seeing right now is red. Yeah. Because we're in Chicago. Let's go, baby. And the Bulls are first in the East right now. They're so good. And they were a lot of fun to watch last night. Shout out to my pops for the amazing tickets. Um, all that being said, I need baseball back in my life, and I'm very, very excited that hopefully it's right around the corner. Knock on wood. As long as the commissioner gets his way, I think you're right. Um, if the commissioner doesn't get his way, we'll have to wait a little owners bit. Owners need that move up, baby. Yeah, yeah. Big big fan of the owners here, Tommy Bakken. Um, so I – yeah, and hey, there's there's my government name is that I, – I love the baseball owners. I think if there's anything you've ever gleaned from this podcast, it's that I love Jerry Reinsdorf, and all of his money is very important to me. Um, no, fuck him. So anyway, that's my final thoughts, Steve – in Han we trust for baseball I lust hey baby have a good one everybody we'll see you next week (laughs) alright